Grow Your Bottom Line, hosted by LaDawn Townsend, is a weekly podcast and business show. On this episode... There's so many companies out there, like you said, that, that are burning, right? There's fire in the building, and they're trying to do whatever they can to douse the fire, but nothing seems to be working. And I think when they bring someone like you and your team in, that this can help douse the fire, right? And uh, maybe plug some holes in so that there's not so much smoke coming out and really just put that thing out. Then that's where you really choose where you really see the true growth and scalability of a company and an organization. Yep. And I like the fact that you make sure that you have the CEO on board because I'm a firm believer. I have a over 20 year corporate America background as well. And I'm a firm believer that it stopped, it starts from the top down, not from the bottom up. So all coming up next. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm LaDawn Townsend, your host. This is Grow Your Bottom Line. Today, we are going to be featuring an interview that I was on with Jose Flores. He is known as the Mindset Disruptor. If you have an event, uh, virtual or in person, when we get back to that, if Jose is not one of your featured keynote speakers, you need to get to know who this gentleman is. His story is one of triumph, but also taking authority over the skill set that he has, the marketplace that he has made a position in and being able to serve those with a message that's not just motivational, it is actually taking action. So we talked today in this discussion around a bit of my story, but really we're positioning the dialogue on how can you activate the next gear within your organization. Join me for this conversation with Jose Flores, the Mindset Disruptor. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks again for hanging out with me for another week. Man, listen guys, before I start every show, you already know that I always like to take a few moments to give God some thanks because I believe that without him, none of this will be possible. So I just pray that somebody out there that's listening today is inspired, motivated, encouraged to learn more, do more, and become more, and can utilize some of the uh, nuggets and gems that we're going to drop on today's episode and apply them to your lives. I pray that in Jesus' name and amen. And thanks again for hanging out with me. Listen, guys, on every show, you always know I bring nothing but the fire. And today's guest is not only a friend of mine, a sister of mine, but she's a powerful force to be reckoned with in the marketplace. Today, guys, listen, we have none other than my special friend, who her and her team, they help companies grow their bottom lines. They also help to build systems and increase sales, people, and improve processes through their strategies and their online university. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my sister, my friend, my home girl, LaDawn Townsend, how are you? Thanks for hanging out with me and my tribe today. Oh, Jose, I'm honored. I'm so honored to be here today. And thank you so much. This conversation, I think, has been well overdue. Yes, it and has. And I'm, I'm ready for it. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. So listen, let's jump right, let's jump right into it. You know, you, you have reached a certain level of success in your life um, that I definitely want to talk about. But before we get into that, I always like bringing people uh, behind the scenes or giving them a little history on who you are, kind of what you've kind of 
where, what you've been through that brought you to where you are right now, the mindset, some shifting that maybe needed to take place. Because the show is, I won't stop until I win, right? So I'm pretty sure that you faced your own set of adversities and challenges and obstacles. And I, we just want to dig into the mindset of how you were able to continue to persevere and not give up until you win. Uh, and for those who don't know, you're winning crazy. You're winning in a big way nowadays. So just take us back to the younger LaDawn Townsend, yeah. who wasn't the force to be reckoned with as you are today. Just let people know a little bit about where you come from and how you've uh, grown into who you are today. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Jose. And I love that sharing that part of it because I think sometimes people see the success, but they don't see the behind the scenes. That's right. And you've seen my business and myself grow and slim down over the past That's three right. years. That's right. That's right. I sure have. Um, you know, and I, I just, I want to say before we get started that friendships and collaborations mean so much. And you and your wife, are such an inspiration to me and an encouragement and it pushes me. Um, I'm so thankful just to be in your atmosphere. So thank you so much. You know, it's, oh, it's rare pleasure. to find business owners that are preaching um, about Jesus and preaching about the goodness and the wealth and push and go for it. So I'm excited about today. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'll share with everyone. So my name's LaDawn Townsend and I come from Los Angeles, California. But my That's family right. is, well, I'm telling you, and my family is from South Texas. And so I bring that up because growing up, you know, um, we grew up with a mentality that the word can't did not exist. It wasn't, it wasn't a real word, so we weren't able to use it. And I share that because up until I was 12 years old and a teacher showed me in a dictionary that the word existed, that's my mentality. So that's how it started for me, is just there's no such thing as can't, you just do. That's right. And so growing up in an entrepreneur family, you just do. And so I loved what we did. We had farmer's markets before it was cool. Um, we did a lot of things before it was cool and pop. And I learned that ethic. I learned that, that muscle about building up a work ethic. And so when I was in high school, I had the opportunity of being a part of an ROTC program. I don't know if they still have those, but yeah, they do. They do. Okay, so there was one being offered by a very well-known bank, and I was like, wow, if you work for a bank, you make mass money. So that's all I knew, because God <laughs> bless That's where all the money is, huh? <laughs> right? God bless my friends, but I was not about to work at McDonald's. I just, I could not keep up. I knew me. I couldn't do it. And so I said, well, what can I do? I've been working in an office all these years. And so I went through that ROTC program and I learned about back office operations, fixing things. And so I went right into corporate America and then it took off from there. But what I'll share with people is it was never my plan to stay in corporate for that long. It was my plan to travel the world, but I knew that needed money. <laughs> and I didn't know how that was gonna come about. And I'm just being real. So when I was in corporate, the more work I did and I got a, you know, accolades and I went up the ladder, but what happens? You go up the ladder, your debt goes up, the weight went up. And so all of, all of these things started happening. And so actually I, I had something happen to me in 1994. It was a, it was a health crisis. And I've, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly before. Um, it was a health crisis where you know, there was metabolically something wrong with my body. And so um, it was a moment of really, it, it was scary and I had to figure out what to do. And from that moment on, um, my weight actually ballooned up to 400 pounds at one point. Wow. And, but I was still on that corporate ladder, right? I was still on that corporate ladder and the debt was growing higher. 
and the stress was growing higher. And I share that with people because sometimes there are signals that God gives you that you need to change lanes, but we don't listen. Mm -hmm. So if it wasn't the debt, if it wasn't the stress, if it wasn't the health, what was it going to be that, that I needed to make a change? And so I remember the day on November 8th, 2014, I was working still in corporate and I was blessed to work from home, but that doesn't mean anything. You still work 60 hour weeks, 70 hour weeks. And my bosses called me and said, LaDawn, we've just been let go. We've had to let your coworkers go and we're letting you go. And I remember... <laughs> In that moment, I knew that was my moment because the week before I had prayed and said, God, I've got to get off this treadmill of the corporate ladder. I felt like I lost myself. I felt like I was super masculine. I felt like I was in, in balance, meaning there's a way for us as, as women to show up in the marketplace, but to not lose the essence of what makes us special, what makes us the counterpart to be able to support our, our male friends. And, and so I was all out of balance, Jose. It was so bad. And I knew I wanted to get healthy holistically, healthy in my finances, healthy in my relationships, healthy in my bank account, healthy in my body. <laughs> and so I just remember saying, Lord, if you give me an opportunity, I'll do it. And a week later, I got the call. And when I got that call, people asked me, well, did you want to cuss them out? Were you upset? None of the above. I was just like, is there a check? <laughs> like, what comes next? I don't Show know. Show me the money. Show me the money. And I remember that afternoon after packing up my office, I went to work with my plan. And you would think that being an executive for over 20 years and making that prayer and being committed that it was all rosy. Nope. Over the next two years, I would try and figure out this business thing. And I invested almost six figures in my business from bootstrapping, no credits, no loans. It was all bootstrap, bringing it together, pulling little things here and there. The first program I worked with a coach was a $20 book. It took me three weeks to find the $20. And so within those two years, you know how much money I made within those two years? How much? $800 combined. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I said, all right, this is, this is clearly not how it's supposed to go, right? And so I made a decision. I said, I need to invest in my business because I also received over 30 no's for small business funding, grants, financing, everything. It was all a no. Nobody would loan me a pencil. So all I had was my skill set. And so I took that skill set. I dusted off my resume. I went back into the corporate marketplace after being told no for jobs. I couldn't get a receptionist job. People were worried that I was overqualified. I went through it all. And so now let I me ask you, let me ask you this question. So you got over 30 no's or 30 something no's. What was it that helped you keep going through the no's? It was knowing the one commitment that I made when I got laid off. And that was, I would never, ever be the woman that did not have financial options again. Mm. That was my driving force. It wasn't so much of losing the title. I didn't care about the title. It was my financial options were limited now and they were becoming very limited. And when you're living in limited finances, even when you have a job, even if you have a six figure job, it's still not a lot of money, you know, because you're still limited. And I didn't like feeling boxed in mm. because that's not what we're supposed to be having a boxed in life. That's good. Yeah. Good, that's good. 
That's what I wanted to draw out for the listeners because I want, you know, it sounds great. Oh, she got some no's, but how did you push through that? You know, some people will get two no's and give up. Some people will get 10 no's, you know, nobody knows how many amount of no's yeah. it's going to take for you to break, you know, for it to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And yeah. for some, it does, right? Some people give up, some people stop and they're like, Hey, maybe this isn't for me. And they just go back to the same old, same old, but there was something inside of you that kept pushing you through the nose until you finally got the yes. And that's what I wanted to grow, uh, draw out of you so that the listeners can understand. It's like, listen, you got to keep moving forward through the nose because there's eventually a yes has to pop up. Eventually right. a yes has to pop up. It's just the law of the universe. As long as you keep pushing and doing what you need to do and keep moving, that yes is going to pop its head up and you have to be able to be ready to take advantage of that. So thank you for sharing that. No problem, because you do have to be able to push through. You know, it wasn't easy going through those no's. And then the next decision I made, I said, I remember I sat down on my laptop and I Googled where in the United States are people hiring? Because I was in Los Angeles. Nobody was hiring me for 18 months. Nobody was calling back about the resume. And so five states pulled up. I think some like Utah, Colorado, <laughs> all over the place. And then Austin was a part of that list. And I thought, I have family in Dallas. That's about three hours away. And I researched Austin. It seemed sort of cool. And I dusted off my resume. I packed up my things. And all I had was a resume and a prayer. And I moved to Austin, Texas. And there was a very nice manager of an apartment building that rented me an apartment. Because <laughs> I told her I'm not a scam person. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take it sight unseen. And she said, okay. And that's what I want people to know is when you step out, God will meet you. He doesn't meet you on the shore. He meets you in the water. That's right. He meets you, he meets you out there. And it's, that's actually a project that I'm working on to share more of my story is that if I would have stayed on the shore or if I stayed in the parking lot, I would have never met the glory that God had for me. And that doesn't mean it's comfortable. It wasn't comfortable for me to pack up and go to a city where I knew no one. And it wasn't comfortable for me when I got back on my feet and working. I was committed. I had a 60 to 70 hour a week job. I worked 50 hours a week in my business, meaning I, call, I cold call because I needed to get customers. I did it before work, after work, lunchtime, Saturdays. Sunday was the only day I really took off. Man, that sounds like an entrepreneur. It is because <laughs> that's the core thing of an entrepreneur. So all of the no's that I got, it built this muscle in me that I didn't know I had about selling. So when people ask how we grow our bottom line, we really create sales systems. That's the core of what we do because it just makes sense for me. If you need revenue, you need sales. And so all the 35 no's, that was motivation. All of the having to pitch myself in interviews, that was selling. We're always selling something. If you're married, you sold your spouse on, on marrying you, right? Like it all comes together. And so I built that muscle and I, I did the work. I did the time. It wasn't easy to go in and do all of that, but I did it. And so fast forward a few years later, um, I was able to really, you know, get my business up in the ground growing. It's been a, a six or seven years of this type of journey. And Was and that in Austin? That was in Austin. That was the shift because I was able to put myself in a, in a time where I could breathe. You see, when you're bouncing back from a layoff, when you're bouncing back from having limited finances, sometimes you just need to do what you have to do to get yourself in a place where you can breathe. And it's okay. Yeah. So it was okay for me to go back into the workplace because I was honoring my job with showing up, giving 200%. And then in the time that I could find, 
I would go through and do that. And when I say I cold called, I cold called businesses in London at four in the morning because it was like nine or 10 in the morning there. And I was so bad <laughs> that I gave away so much free information. There's businesses to this day that remember me. They were like, oh, thank you. We had a team meeting the next day and came up with a strategy plan for the year. <laughs> And they remember me, but that's the bumps and bruises you got to go through. And one of those blessed women, um, we're actually talking about doing some work together. That was six, almost five years ago. So it doesn't happen overnight. And now it's coming back full circle. Now it's coming back, but I had to be able to take the steps. And so I did that and the business has grown now. So we, you know, we're here in the United States. We have an office here in Los Angeles. We're also in Miami because I was in Miami for a while. Uh, we have clients around the globe. I've hosted live events. We have our annual accelerator summit that was in Miami the last two years. We plan on bringing that to India in October, the minute this crisis lifts. Um, and I have clients in India, Africa. We're expanding to the Middle East, Asia, um, as well as to the UK. So guys, nice. this is not an overnight story. It was a lot of bumps and bruises. And there's still things we have to fix and keep moving forward. But the key is, is you have to keep moving forward. Nice, nice. And you know, you said that you wanted to be, you didn't really want to, the, the corporate America wasn't your final stop, but because you wanted to be traveling and, and helping people and, and now you're doing that. I've seen the, the, the small, I think we've met like maybe two, two, three years ago, not yeah. too long ago mm -hmm. at a networking event that we both showed up to. And, uh, you know, that's why networking events are great because you get to meet people like you and I did. We met each other, we built a relationship, um, we stayed connected and no matter where we are in the world, you know, I, I said, Hey, LaDawn, uh, are you in California? Are you back in California? She said, yeah, we moved back over here. And I said, Hey, I want to get you on a podcast and here you are, but it's just all started from a networking event, but now you're traveling in the little time I've known you, I've seen you go to Africa a couple of times, you know what I mean? And inspiring women and businesses out there. And it's just amazing for me to see your growth, you know, um, and how quickly you've been growing in such a small amount of time that I've, that I've known you. And, and uh, it's just been a beautiful thing. So now that you have your, your company, right, the Voss Group, you've been through corporate America, you went through the ups and downs, the bumps and bruises. Now you're in a position where you're actually helping other companies uh, scale, win, and win, and win. Tell us a little bit about your company, the Voss Group. So what I love about Voss is that it took me five years to come up with the name. There was many other names before that, but Voss stands for vision, optimization, and strategy, because that's what we bring to our clients. You can't have the strategy if you're not fully optimized and you don't know how to optimize your systems if you don't have a vision. So our companies that we work with, we work with normally your your medium to large enterprises, a sweet spot for us is one to 300 employees, but we also have programs for those that are startup entrepreneurs and small businesses. The goal is, what's more important for us is we have one number one rule. The owner of the business must be on board to the transformation of the business. It doesn't matter how much you're gonna come in and pay us. It doesn't matter if your team says yes. If the key decision makers at C-suite and the ownership aren't on board, we're not a fit because we're not here to work for you. We're here to help transform your business. That's right. And so it starts with the vision. Where do you want to go? And for those in your audience, you know, at all levels, what I see, whether you're a company of 300 employees or whether you have just you as the employee, the number one thing that I find in businesses is that they don't know their number, meaning where do they want to go? When we sit down with a leader and we say, Tell me about your vision for your company. We hear all of these different things, which are amazing, but it comes back to what's your number? What is your sales 
number, not what you're going to get from investors because we work with startups that are seeking funding and they say, LaDon, we're looking for $6 million in funding or $30 million in funding. That's great, but you got to pay back the funding. So what's your sales number? That sales number, when you really invest in it, when you really ask the question, and you and I know this because of all the sales training we've been through, is it immediately will bring up all of the leakage and the gaps within the organization from a system standpoint and from a people standpoint. Mm -hmm. Because people don't want to face that number. Because when you face that number, that means I, as a CEO, as a business owner, I have to be accountable to myself. I have to hold my team accountable. I have to get out of the busy work and get into the sales work because everyone in the organization, I've heard this before, everyone's responsible for sales. Everyone is. And so that's how we talk so much and now build sales systems for companies. Because if you have me come in to improve your customer service and maybe there's not operation processes and people don't know who's on first and what to do, but if it's not directly tied to what's the sales number, there are gaps everywhere. And so, you know, normally when we're brought in, there is smoke before fire, but there's really fire and they, you know, they don't want to admit it. And so we come up with a system and a plan and a strategy that walks the owner and their team alongside implementing it. And we do that through either private one-on-one strategy services or with the launch of our boss university that has programs about business process improvement, building sales systems, leadership development. It is the number one resource where leaders can go to learn how to scale and grow their organization. I think that's amazing. And, you know, because there's so many companies out there, like you said, that, that are burning, right? There's fire in the building and they're trying to do whatever they can to douse the fire, but nothing seems to be working. And I think when they bring someone like you and your team in, that this can help douse the fire, right? And, uh, maybe plug some holes in so that there's not so much smoke coming out and really just put that thing out, then that's where you really choose where you really see the true growth and scalability of a company and an organization. And I like the fact that you make sure that you have the CEO on board because I'm a firm believer. I have over 20 year corporate America background as well. And I'm a firm believer that it stops, it starts from the top down, not from the bottom up. So if the person that's on top isn't functioning or on board with what, in the direction that the company needs to go into, nobody else is going to follow, right? Because they always follow who's leading. And if the CEO is leading and they're not doing it, then they're not going to see any results, right? The numbers thing is amazing too, because that's the bottom line. Everybody's always results driven, right? Exactly. Do do you have a company that you can think of offhand uh, where you can share a powerful story of where your services have uh, been able to uh, rapidly help a, a, a particular company scale? Yeah, so there's two examples. One was a few years ago, an organization that I was working with, you know, they were faced with the ask of bringing in new employees because they felt like that was going to be the resolution to their issue. And what I was able to do was really do some investigation work into their processes and find that there actually was a really good staff that just needed to have the, the right business processes in place and training, as well as some small tweaks in their tech. And we saved them over a million dollars in payroll because that's what they save by not having to bring on all of this large amount of employees, which we know that in corporate, when you bring in a large amount of employees for a specific purpose like that, they're not always long-term employees. So then maybe within 12 to 18, 24 months, you would have to lay those people off because they just came in for really what was a project. 
So that was one. The other is we worked with a boutique firm in order to help them get systems and structures together. And by doing that, we also tweaked some parts of one of their best-selling programs and we helped them increase revenue by over 25% within four months. Some others that may not be numbers is sometimes we find, especially with our market expansion work. So market expansion is a large work. <laughs> it's where you wanna expand your business either regionally or you wanna go internationally. And we worked with a company that after we you know, looked at their data and looked at their pricing and looked at where they wanted to go, the profit margin was the issue. And so sometimes when we're talking with companies, we'll first jump into that to say, okay, you wanna go into Africa. When we look at your profit margin, it may not be profitable for you to do that. So sometimes we save them money by not going into this big project. Mm. A market expansion project could be at minimum depending on the company that wants to go in, it could be at minimum in the high six figures up until seven figures for the entire project. So even though we wanna grow bottom line, we also look for ways to help companies avoid steps that may not be the right direction for them and put them in a path to where it would actually be more profitable. That's amazing. Now, now let me, you mentioned, you mentioned two key words while you were just speaking, and I want you to elaborate on that a little more because we're here, we're, we'll, we'll hear people say, um, you know, that we help people uh, with X, Y, Z, right? So can you give us an example of what setting up a system actually is? And also the follow-up to that is um, what are some strategies that you may implement into a company if you can give us some examples of what you've done because i mean like i said it you know there's a lot of people out there they may hear speakers say like oh yeah we help people you know strategize and put in systems and what does that look like for those that are listening that may not know what that is or what it looks like what is what what exactly is that Yep. So one of the most popular systems that we put into place is a sales system and a sales system. So everyone knows within an organization, you must have sales. Here's what's happening for most businesses. They don't have hunters in their organization. They have sales reps or sales teams or they outsource the sales. And what they're focusing on is the marketing push in order to bring the leads, which you do need. But I do believe that in a world that has over 7 billion people, that there is never a limitation on your lead. So one of the things we build out is a sales system. So meaning exactly, we work with actually creating an annual sales goal for the company. So we work on, okay, what does your annual strat plan look like? Why is that important? You see, because when I, as a leader, put together my annual strat plan, that's my number. So then when I have my number, I then go to my leaders in my organization. And if you're a leader of one, you go to yourself, or this will be the key area that'll tell you who you need to hire, either as an intern or as an employee or whatever, because now you need to give the direction to your leadership team on order to fulfill that. So when we're working with you know, your small to large enterprises, we'll work with them on what's the number and then how do you now hold your team accountable? So that's the first step. When we're holding them accountable, the thing you need is you need transparency. You need to see that the work's being done. And that's where the system comes into place. The systems that we put into place can be technology. So we do have uh, the Voss technology that can help to monitor your profit and loss. It also can help you monitor your actual sales system that comes into place. And so when we're looking at that, we want the leaders to be able to say, how many sales did I have today? How many sales are coming in tomorrow? Where are we at? All of the statistics that you need. So now that you have the vision and you have the tactics to be able to track that, how do your people do it? They need a system. They need to know what goes first, what goes second, what goes third. 
If third doesn't work, what's three point B? What's three point C? We break all of that out. And so <clears throat> it looks like people have seen a process map or just a map of, of whatever country you're in. Think of it that way. We create a map that tells you how do you get from California to New York? And we're going to map out all of the steps for your people. We're going to tell you what watch items, which we call risk, but they're watch items, um, what to look for, how to deal with that when it comes up, how to deal with that when it comes up, and how to get back on track. So then we lay all of that out, and then we train the people. And here's where I tell leaders, when we train your people on a new sales system, even a business process, you're going to find one of three people in your organization. You're going to find the individual that has been leaking money and is just there sucking and taking away from you that needs to go. Wow. You know, negative Nancy, who's been there 30 years. Well, negative Nancy is costing you income because now they're not going to want to be a part of this process. So those people will push back a bit on the process, right? Mm -hmm. The second group of people are those that have been waiting for the opportunity and they're like, yes, I want to be with an organization that has stuff going on and they are going to dive in and they may be your new cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have those people that just give them the instruction, give them the training, if they're a good six on a scale of one to 10, let them be a good six. Not everybody's a 10. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that really comes That's up good. is we, we ruffle some feathers. That's what happens. Because when you think about it, if I'm in an organization in a corporate, there's no way someone like the boss group's coming in because I'm going to make sure that my department is top notch. Normally when we come in, that's because something between the top down and the frontline leadership has missed it. And so we help to fill that gap. Our intent is not to ruffle feathers. Our intent is to get the business back on track. So we remove the emotion because something hasn't been done that needed to be done. So let's remove the emotion. Let's acknowledge it. Let's get you the training, the support you need, and the system. So when you have a system in place, when you tell your team, do one, two, three, four, this is how you follow up with a sales lead, this is how you escalate the system issue, this is how you do it. So as the owner or as the leaders, when things aren't going awry, I can ask, well, tell me what happened in steps one through five. How many new sales do we have? How many customers have requested status of their orders and we've responded within our time frame of 24 hours most companies don't have a time frame that they say they have to respond so you'll be able to see the report so now you can address it without emotion because it is what it is because it was missed That's sometimes right. it, when we don't have these systems in place then it's like, I don't know how to approach Nancy and I don't know how to ask Bob about the sales numbers because we don't know. We're sort of in this, this guessing game. But when you have a system in place and you can look at your numbers, it removes the emotion. And as a leader, I can step and say, okay, now how can I support my team with training and coaching or who is not a fit and let me let them go because they are costing you revenue. That's right. That's right. Because at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't, Jay-Z wasn't lying when he said, <laughs> numbers don't lie. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Awesome. Awesome. I love it, man. You dropped so many nuggets. And listen, guys, I hope that you guys are taking some notes, uh, maybe even some mental notes. Maybe you want to listen to it again and get your pens and papers uh, for those companies. For those of you that maybe own companies or even if you work for a company and you can maybe utilize some of this information and be the star in your company now because you're taking some of this advice and some of these uh, strategies and you know, placing them into your own company. And what I love that you said, uh, LaDonna, and it's so true, you definitely know what you're talking about. Um, 
because coming from corporate America, you hit everything right on the head with what happens in corporate America. But one of the things that I love what you said was that what was lacking was those sales hunters. I love that. That's a power, you know, because like you said, we have sales reps, we have sales, uh, sales, uh, they'll call them sales executives. Uh, <laughs> But there's no hunters like who's hunt who's out there hunting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The hunter mentality. There's a lot of gatherers, and that's why we preach that sales and marketing must go together in your organization. There's a there's a a hybrid role now in corporate called the chief growth officer, which is a blend of sales and marketing. I've seen you know, that. do do I always agree with that? I think they should work together, not necessarily the same position, because it is totally different skill sets, but they need to collaborate together. But you must be able to not have gatherers. You know, it's frustrating, even for me, for the past two years, we've been looking for a particular technology to bring in our company. And so we'll reach out to these tech firms and book a demo or a consultation. And they'll say, well, I'm actually the one just gathering the information that I'm going to pass you off to this person who will assess you. And then you'll get in touch with the real person to do the demo. So I'm thinking this major corporation, you have three layers of salespeople in order to really follow up on a sales lead. And they're, spend, they're spending hundreds of thousands in advertising and salaries and all of this. You're complicating your sales process. If people are interested, bring them in, assess them, ask them for the business. All of that tells me is that there's a fear to ask for the business because at the end of the day, you're never always going to have a hundred percent vetted group of leads that come to you. There's going to be some that come in that aren't qualified, but instead of putting up this process to be able to, to vet through the leads, train your people on how to vet through them so they can quickly move to the people that are actually qualified. And so there's not hunters in organizations. We've even recently had this conversation with organizations that would say, you know, well, maybe the sales process doesn't work for our industry. It works for other there is one sales process that will work pretty much for all industries. You tweak and adjust it as a bit, but sales is the name of the game. You have a product or a service, you wanna get the buyer, you gotta deal with the in-between. When we add all this stuff to the process, we're not dealing with the in-between. We're not dealing with the objections around people's relationships around money and why that impacts the buyer. We're not dealing with the own objections your own people have about money and why they're not hunters and why they're sitting there just collecting a check. You know, these are the things when businesses come to us and say, LaDonna, I want to grow the bottom line. We do warn them, you're going to find some people that are going to be held accountable and they don't like being held accountable, but you are paying them a salary to do this job. That's right. So either they step up or let's find someone who will be worth the investment and willing to play ball. <laughs> I love the way you put it so nicely. Either step up or we'll find somebody. <laughs> I love it. But listen, guys, there you have it. You know, I love the Dawn because she's straightforward, direct, no fluff, fluff free, you know. And so if you're looking for somebody to come into your organization and take you to that next level, man, you definitely want to reach out to her. We're gonna, I'm going to be giving you her contact information or she'll be giving it to you and sharing with you in a little bit. But before we get to that, just one final question, Dawn. Um, because I always like to ask this of all my guests, you know, if there's somebody out there listening right now who's overwhelmed, who's frustrated, right? Many people were going through the coronavirus right now. There's so many people lost jobs, so many companies closed down, you know, what's a piece of advice that you can give to not only business owners, right? They may be feeling like, oh man, I'm done now. This whole thing messed up my plan, my dreams. Uh, but also that individual who may be 
may have been thinking about starting their own business or their side hustle, or maybe they worked for a company and they got laid off and now they have to get back and try to figure things out. What piece of advice would you give to anyone that's listening right now that may be struggling or suffering through an adversity or a challenge to not give up and to keep on going until they win, just like you've been winning, just like I've been winning and so many other people, but not everybody has that strong mindset to keep pushing forward. What's that piece of advice that you'll give to that person that's listening right now? Perfect timing on this question. I would say, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to start your engine. Mm. You know, we're living, especially in the United States, and I'm going to say a statement that's not always politically correct, but we're living in such a time and age where people are so focused on feelings. I want you to be empathetic. I want you to be caring, but I want you to get out of your feelings mm. because now is the time for you to ferociously go after the income that is available for you. That's right. I had the pleasure of teaching a live masterclass this morning on this topic. It was called what to do when corporate says goodbye, how to reinvent yourself after a loss of income, because that was my story six years ago where I lost all my income. And even though you have unemployment and even though there's supposed to be checks being sent hear my heart when I say this, it is not enough. Even your corporate job, if you really remove the emotion from it and sit down, it wasn't enough, the check you got. It was just enough. That's right. The question you have to ask yourself is, are you tired of just having just enough? Wow. Because I am. Me too. <laughs> you know, Jose and I, since we met, and even your wife, Drea, we have always been at this level. It's like with the success, okay, how can we get more? Okay, what's that? Because we know that this is still not enough, right? And it's not a ego and it's not a love of money. It is understanding what's fully available. So when I say, ladies and gentlemen, start your engine, you need to move and create the engine that creates your own path. Whether you want to go back to corporate, whether you're still in a job, whatever, there are additional streams of income that you can bring in. Push and create that engine that brings in that additional stream of income. It'd be wonderful to make $10,000, $20,000 a month. For some people, just having replacement of their mortgage or rent would be powerful. That's right. Having a business that, right, that brings in $1,800, $2,100 a month. That's the average rents in America. That by itself could change a household. That's and right. when you change your finances, here's what happens. Something shifts within you to where you have this ease and flow. You still hustle, but it is different because you understand the full wealth that's available for you. Your conversation changes. The people that are around you changes. The reason that people are so shell-shocked right now is because they've been living in the stupor of, of really being convinced of what you think is okay, of what you think it's okay just to be normal, just be average. I don't wanna be average. I don't wanna be complacent. So those that are in this position of feeling this, this, this frustration, this righteous anger, it's because your eyes have been opened to see that you've been in this complacent state. And that's not to insult you, but it's to say that the complacency you sit in was a lie sent from the pit of hell to hold you back from your true desires, oh, from I'm your true telling. power, from your true purpose. And now with all of this virus, what's happening, there are those people that are going to lay and just wait and just sort of wish nothing wrong comes to them. And there are those of us that are going to say, I'm going to make my own path. I'm going to be ferocious. I'm going to come out of this thing financially better. I'm going to come out of this thing mentally better. I'm going to change the way I eat. I'm going to change the way I talk. I'm going to change the way I show up. Ooh. I'm even going to change the people that I talk with. You know, even for me, I have very little time in my personal or business life for small conversations that are just about negative things. 
And so a lot of the times I'll shift the conversation or I'll leave the room or I'll move because all of that doesn't help you in business and whatever it is, because I know my goal is to have a multi-million dollar organization. And so in order to get that, I may not be here today. You may have $5 in your bank account today. Your current situation is not your permanent condition. Mm. When I moved to Austin, Texas with a resume, with a car that when I got to Texas, the air conditioning went out. Don't even start with me on that. That is the one state in the world you don't want to not have air conditioning. So that was a, another blow. I didn't have $2,000 to fix the air, so I had to figure it out. I had to go on job interviews and I would book them specifically for in the morning because driving just 10 minutes, I would be soaked in sweat. This is the life what happens when you determine that it doesn't matter if I look cute on the outside, I'm going for what's mine. Cause there'll be a day where mama will pull up in her rolls and the air conditioning will be working and that's okay. So how do we get there? It gets with starting your engine today, today. Ooh. What can you do? to change your financial situation. And I'm passionate about this because of the 35 no's for funding. I'm passionate about this because the two years of people telling me, no, I couldn't get a job because I was an overqualified. I'm passionate about this for the hours I had to go back to work and try and cold call on lunch and figure out a client and sell beneath my value. So you, out of this time, you have a decision to make. Are you gonna come out of this ferocious and really ignite the engine that as a little boy or little girl, that was the vision you had for your life. Or are you going to go back to complacency and average? There you have it. Right. Because you can, but don't be mad when people like Jose and I take your portion because you weren't willing to go get it. Ooh. Hunters, baby. Hunters. <laughs> Hunters. Hunters. Man, listen, guys, I, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling the passion right here. I'm just like, man, she's giving it to I'm getting it too. I'm like, woo. All I'm with like, love. All with love because I've been there. I've no, but I, that's, what I, that's what I love about it. You know, I say, you know, one of the things that I always talk about, I think is lacking in, in, in the marketplace in general is that level of authenticity and transparency. And Adon, you definitely have it. You know, that movie that they made with Denzel called A Man on Fire? They need to make a female version with you as a star called Woman on Fire. Because, girl, you are on fire. We can see it. We can feel it. We can sense it. And I'm just so excited for where you and the Voss Group are going. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we appreciate you for tuning in. LaDawn, if somebody's out there, whether they're a company or individual, and they just want to reach out to you, do business with you, how can and where and how can they reach out to you? Yes. Yeah, so go to my website, LaDawnTownsend.com. It is the one navigation where it'll take you to everything else. It'll, you'll hear more about my story. If you're an individual, we have resources for you there. If you're a business, we have resources for you there. So LaDonTownsend.com. You can also call the office directly. We are still open. 213-290-3286. And we would love to talk with you. And what about on social media? Where social media, you? all handles LaDon Townsend. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. We have our Voss TV, so you can find us on all handles. Before you go, make sure to subscribe to this channel and leave a review. We look forward to hearing your feedback on this episode. Also, are you receiving a copy of the Revenue Report? Then we invite you to join the Voss Community, a private members-only online area for business leaders. To learn more and to receive your copy of the Revenue Report, visit vossgroup.org.